Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter, and then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 42 of Podcast Rewind with Erica and Amy. I'm one of your hosts, Erica, and sitting across from me. Hi, Amy Randolph, your co-host. Episode 42. We're so excited to get started. Yes. Um, look at us. Right on time this week. We didn't take a, um unscheduled break. <laughs> we actually did what we said we would do. Oh, my God. This is the first time I've done that in a little bit. So, yay us coming along. Yay. So, I'm brain dead. Yeah, uh, I know. You've had a cu- rough couple of working days. Yeah, I did a two-day, eight-hour-long work session to get certified for software development, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, I still have two more hours to go Please. somewhere in the next week or so, and I'm already tired thinking about that. I'm excited because I need to finish a class so I can go get certified, but my brain is a little like, Amy, do you want to talk about software development right now or F- podcasts? Um, definitely <laughs> option B. Yeah, don't blame you. I thought the same thing during my class. I was like, <laughs> I would rather be talking about podcasts than this right now. I would rather fork my own eyeballs out <laughs> than do what you did today. Go fork yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what can help you through I after a so. rough day. And that would be an adult beverage. So. I'm going to say cheers. Chink. That's a sad cheers. Well, I have a can. You do have a can. What are you drinking? I'm drinking another local beer. Uh-huh. You know how I can get sold on a beer based on its name. Uh-huh. I love a clever beer name. So this is from Tampa Bay Brewing Company. It's a pumpkin ale called Gourds Gone Wild. Awesome. Right? Well, you know why that's probably even funnier? Hooters and like, Hooters was out of Tampa. And yes. then it's like the stripper of capital. It was. Of course, it was. it's like also the stripper capital of the world. Absolutely. So that is a perfect name coming out of Tampa. So yeah, so I'm drinking my wild gourd pumpkin ale, which by the way is not a pumpkin wheat because I now that I'm a little bit older have a big aversion to wheat beer because it just hurts my belly. Yeah. So this is an ale. Like, much lighter, but it's got that pumpkin flavor. Yes. But I'm not going to, like, cry in my bed later. I feel like I could go for, like, a natty light over a blue moon if given the opportunity. 100%. (laughs) I have been drinking piss beer lately and, like, liking it. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, we'll be talking about age a lot in this podcast, so I won't jump into it too hard. But, um, yeah, don't. Ales for me all the way. Yes. Um. I kind of wish I was drinking a beer. That's exactly what I needed after these two oh, days. I'll share with you after this. You're the bestest friend ever. Yeah, I got oh, you, girl. I'm so here for you. I'm drinking a bottle of red that's been sitting out on the counter for the past couple of days. So I threw a cube in it to liven it up and add some breath to it. Make My, it oaky. Make it oaky. I don't know. Who are you? Is it creamy even? It's creamy even. My uh, pneumonia has finally like officially left my body. Yes. So you can share food and drink with me again. Oh, so excited. Yay. Awesome. Well, so now that we've got our drinks out of the way, <coughs> um, like cough. a little I'm bit sorry. of the pneumonia cough is still hanging on. Not a problem. 
what are you obsessed with this week? And is it different than any other obsession you have had in the past? <laughs> well, speaking of strippers, <laughs> I'm so obsessed with 90 Day Fiance. And you look, are. we got a stripper on this week. And her Algerian boyfriend is, like, not here for it. It's everything. Okay, but no, I'm not really obsessed with 90 Day Fiancé, except that I am. You are. Um, But in order to save my, I don't know, reputation. Sure. If I shall, I have to say, I got the greatest haircut from our girl this week. You did. April Valdez. And this is my girl. She's one of our professional rewinders. She's amazing. I love her. She has been on my hair journey with me for <laughs> almost 10 years now. I trust her with my life, essentially, when I'm in her chair. And I've been growing my hair out for like two years. Like, I got it in my head. I wanted to have long hair again. And I worked on it. April went with me. She gave me the layers as we transitioned. She totally helped me out. And then I sat in her chair late last week, and I went, apes can't do it anymore cut it off and she was like whatever you want girl and I just have to give her such a shout out I'm so happy it's like you know swinging at my chin again and it's kind of like back right in the world I just I am a chin to shoulder length hair person and I just need to live my true life that way it's your truth it's my truth you have to accept it I had to do a thing today I got an invite on my calendar for work for in in October and I was like, why does that date so familiar? And I was like, oh, my God, that is your next highlight and haircut situation. And they're hard to get. So what did you choose? Uh, work. Wow. <laughs> they pay me to go get my haircut and highlighted. Your but hair I only... fucking blows this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're listening work, I love you. Um, but I only pushed it out about two weeks. So I wasn't screwed too badly. Not too bad. Um, so for you and anybody else that sees me for the next month, Enjoy my roots. Sorry, she tried. <laughs> I tried. Enjoy my roots. <laughs> I'm going to own it. Um, you know what I'm really loving? What? The ba- my stutter. Um, <laughs> the fact that this past weekend, we totally went out of our comfort zone, saw something on Instagram we wanted to try, and we went and checked it out. We went That's to the right. Orlando Flea Market in downtown Orlando, and so it was a really she-she version of a flea market, so mm-hmm. it was hosted by at Orlando Flea on Instagram. Hosted in the Celine building in downtown Orlando off of Magnolia, next to one of our favorite bars, Mather's Social Club. Hell yeah. Which, I could have rather spent an hour there rather than the flea market. It had great vendors, but the size of the place just wasn't conducive, nor were the 90 strollers that I saw there, which I love a mom and dad out doing their shopping and living their life, but the place was so small and it was so hot in there. Mm -hmm. Like my makeup was running off, but I loved the whole concept and was glad we got out and were able to support some local artisans in Orlando. And it was fun. It was a really good Sunday fun day. Um, so I think I'm going to pay attention to the Instagram more and find some more things for us to do and explore Orlando. Hashtag live like a local. Hashtag live like a local. I saw something today. There's a Lake uh, Eola Oktoberfest mm-hmm. coming up next month that I was going to suggest to you. And then next week, we're so excited. Podcast Movement is coming to Orlando and yes. doing a local podcaster meetup. Yeah. So that'll be next Tuesday. So get ready. Our episode will probably be either one day early or one day late. We've got yeah. to decide next week. But... I'm really looking forward to getting out and meeting some other local podcasters and yes. getting podcasts rewind out and maybe getting some new folks to, you know, recap here or maybe some guests for the show. Yes. So really looking forward to that, talking that, about getting out of our comfort zone yeah, and trying new things. Totally. And it makes us so adult and professional to really get out there and do all of that and support others. So with that being said, 
speaking of adults and adulting, do you know what we hear so much lately is this whole like online, you know, memes and things. I don't want to adult today. It's too hard. I don't feel like adulting. And I think that a lot of that is attributed to a certain generation called the millennials. Which is a word that has come out in the last couple of years where it majorly has hit the pop culture zeitgeist or whatever it's called in the last couple of years. But millennials are Gen Xers. No. Or we're supposed to be. No, millennials are millennials. Gen Xers are Gen Gen Xers are born in the late 60s through the... The mid 60s to the late 80s, and then millennials start in the, I'm sorry, in the, the early 80s, and the millennials start in the early 80s through like 2000. Oh, okay, sorry, Gen Y is what I meant to say. We were supposed to be Gen Y, and millennials are the new name. Yeah, we were named, the, the generation that technically, if you want to um, go by what we just said, you know, Eric and I would fall into this millennial yeah. generation, born in 81 through. 80, 98 or 99, even 2000 by some reports. And the millennials have really, like you said, they got their nickname probably five to six years mm-hmm. ago. And the connotation in pop culture isn't great. A it's lot not. of the uh, reputation is that they are lazy. Yep. They're entitled, you know, that they don't adult correctly. Yep. That a lot of them are still living at home. A lot of them are kind of in a failure to launch maybe situation as far as growing up and being a big kid. But now here's the thing. A lot of those millennials will say, well, look at crippling student loan debt. Look at the price of housing. Look at the price of medical care. There's all sorts of back and forth. But in the meantime, there's a section of folks who are born in the late Gen X period, so like 77 to 78 through, say, 84 to 85, that are technically either Gen X or Millennial, but don't feel as they are at all. And they have recently kind of renamed what they're calling a micro-generation named... Xennials. Xennials. Yeah, so, and that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today, is that we don't fit in. We are Xennials, we, and we're going to do it. What's our age again? We were born in 84, so everyone who wants to do math may do math, but we are definitely on that cusp of this zennial micro-generation, and we've been talking about the fact that, you know, for a while they were calling us elder millennials. Like, yes, you're a millennial, you know, you were born analog, you grew up digital, and that's kind of a major factor to millennials, but... You really remember analog a lot, as opposed mm-hmm. to my brother was born in 1990, and I don't think he remembers life before our gateway computer that we got in, like, 94, 95, whereas I was in fourth grade at that point. Like, I remember life up to that. And so we did a lot of digging this week. Not only do we feel like we not we don't belong, we're not very well represented in the podcast world, and there's not much out there about Xennials. Absolutely. So, so you did print a few things off the internet. <laughs> I printed things off the internet. Like a, like not like a millennial at all, like a zennial. So like we said, the word zennial starts with actually an X. So it really is a mashup of Gen X and millennial. Um, According to what I'm finding, like I was saying earlier, 1977 to 1985 is kind of this micro generation. And I first kind of clicked into this. The word wasn't used yet, but two years ago, I remember this article that Hello Giggles put out and I even 
shared it on my Facebook page saying, this finally represents me. And they, they were putting forth a new term that they were calling aging millennial. Oh, painful. So not nice and not fun, but I really related. I was like, I'm an aging millennial. Thank <laughs> you finally for explaining. So here's a few things that in this article from Hello Giggles, they explain. The aging millennial has a grown-up job, might be pregnant now, and turn down an offer to attend their 10-year high school reunion. You probably have an iPhone and a PC and can't be bothered to figure out how to streamline your tech. You might still be using your desktop for some online dating, (laughs) and you might feel like you're the oldest person on Tinder right now. Yes. You were in college pre-Netflix, pre-Hulu. You couldn't stream anything for a lot of your young adulthood, and... We're not as digital as they say, as according to, we're not as digital as they say about millennials. We are the generation, talking about millennials, that is supposedly lazy, supposedly in debt, supposedly living in our parents' basements too afraid to adult. But you, the aging millennial, have a salary job at a startup. Um, You run a website. You make viral videos in a new media company. You may work on Wall Street or in Hollywood. You manage restaurants. You create artisanal shops. The aging millennial does not often see itself reflected in media. Yeah. So then they have a little bit of a list because the internet loves listicles. Love a listicle. In the last few years. And so they've got here, you might be an aging millennial if. So before you you go, you're listening (laughs) in the car or something, just make sure you like tick off a finger. Right. Count along with us. Let's see who listening is a zennial. Or an aging aging millennial millennial. that they were calling it in 2016. We'll get to zennial. So did you used to tune in to watch TV shows every week when they aired? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you date organically all through college and not even attempt to go on your first internet date until around 25? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you read. You still read the New York Times, but also follow Kylie Jenner on Instagram? Oh, hard pass on Kylie. <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> but no. yes, I see what they're saying. Yes. Um, you distinctly remember gathering on the couch to watch the first season ever of American Idol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't remember your Twitter login, but you know that you have an account that you created many years ago. <laughs> that one's funny. And um, this one, I've never been to Coachella, but it says the first time you went to Coachella was like nine years ago. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I read that article two years ago and I went, oh my God, I'm an aging millennial. They're yeah. finally paying attention to me. Well, I'm going to throw this article down on the floor now because aging millennial, not nice, not fun. Ew. No. But last in the, in the last couple of years, a new better term, the zennial term, has come out to really describe our micro generation. So this week, Erica and I really wanted to dive deep on it. Like we said, we've both listened to some podcasts. We've got some articles. Um, so where do you want to start? What do you have? Um, I will say, you know, when you talk about what a zennial is, I think about truly somebody our age, you Mm -hmm. know, who remembers the 90s from start to finish. Exactly. And so I actually um, have been following this Instagram account for quite some time called Capsule 98, and it is with Randy Bergman. She went home one day and opened up her closet and found like a time capsule. She left herself and just couldn't stop cracking up and just I think something that is so zenial is that we just like documented our life so deeply and not digitally. Like, when you went and saw the very first movie on your very first date, did you keep the movie stub? Oh, yeah. I have a box uh-huh. of just collectings, dried flowers, movie yes. stubs, 
notes from my classmates. Uh-huh. I have shoeboxes of that kind of stuff sectioned off by different parts of my life in my closet at my mom's house. That's amazing. So she actually was on a podcast called Nobody Cares Except For Me with Auntie Donahue. And so Randy has now turned her Instagram also into a podcast as well where she really deep dives the 90s. But she really was talking about how just bizarre it is that we had these childhoods where we would keep the teeny bopper magazines, rip out the poster, save the poster. I mean, I had... VHSs of every time Hanson was ever on TV, like the music video. So I'd have like seven mops in a row. We just were so nostalgic like that. So you said there's a huge 90s resurgence now, which I think is even bringing Zennial a little bit more up into the forefront because we are those kids that were in eighth grade in 1998. Like our middle school years were the middle of the 90s. And she mentioned how like nostalgia was not really invented until like a concept of it. Didn't right. happen until the 60s when people were like, oh, the 50s were great. But she says it's funny how nowadays, like, 90s fashion is coming back and all of these things from the 90s are here and 90s kids are like, oh, no, 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 guys, it wasn't that cool then. It's all we had. Like, I remember when sketches were invented. They're still ugly now. Take them off your feet. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, they're doing the platform thing again. Yeah. And so we are of this age where we are seeing all of our stuff come back and we're mortified. Yeah, I think one of the true, in the research and and readings and listenings that I did, really the true definition of the Xennial is that we fully, I think we are more nostalgic than some other generations because we do fully remember a time where we were not plugged in. Yep. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, We recall, so here's an article from a website called keepitusable.com where they really describe our transition so great. Uh Um, One of the quotes is, it was a particularly unique experience. You have a childhood, youth, and adolescence free of having to worry about social media posts and mobile phones. It was a time that we had to organize to catch up with our friends on the weekends using the landline and pick a time and place and then just turn up there. We learned to consume media and come of age before there was Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. Um, but where we were still watching the evening news and or reading the newspaper. Yeah. So we all learned to transition because as these, especially social media things came about, we were coming of the age where we were adapting to it quickly, but we fully remember the time before. We remember um, somewhere in one of these articles was a great example of when we were young and we were using landlines to make plans with our friends, you called someone's house and you had to speak to their mom or dad oh, first yeah. and make polite conversation. Hello, Mrs. Jones. Is Julia home? Is she available to speak on the telephone? Uh-huh. And now, you know, in this age, I don't think my sister, who's only four and a half years younger than me, did that or did it for very long until she got to a place where she had a cell phone and she had a uh, computer and could connect directly with her friends to make time and then take objects with her to continue to confirm time meaning locations. Whereas we just had to blind trust that your friend was going to show up where they said all the way through high school and in college a lot. Yeah, totally. I mean, I even think about the fact that we remember caller ID happening. And until then I would answer the phone every time with, Hi, this is Erica Jarvis. May I ask who's calling, please? Exactly. You know, and you would just be polite and kind to one another. And then all of a sudden, caller ID came out. We're like, who's calling? Oh, I'm not answering that. Screen your phone calls Uh became a thing. Yeah, I was actually, it might have been a stand-up comic. I don't remember where, but they were saying, like, they were talking to their dad. Like, why do people, like, hang up a phone? What does that mean? Like, the physical act of, like, putting a phone down instead of just hitting a button. How is that even out of 
right? The ether. I saw that it was like a dad, it was a meme or something yeah. online where he said his young daughter just asked, Daddy, why do you say hang up the phone? Uh-huh. Because there was zero concept left of putting it back on the wall. Yes. And I, not just clicking end. I was watching, um, it's called Elder Millennial with Eliza Schlesinger. I think I'm saying her name correctly. A stand-up comic. It's a Netflix special that was pretty big in the last, I would say, month or so. And she talks about how she, she calls herself Elder Millennial and says, like, you're going to group me with millennials. I've got to look to them and be like, come kids, let me teach you the history of a landline and things you don't know about and what it means to ford the river and your ox died. Oregon Trail reference that so many people don't know. And I remember reading an article one day that was like, we're kind of just the Oregon Trail generation. We all grew up with that. Uh, yeah, I, there are even some articles that are saying, you know, Xennials are kind of also known as the Oregon Trail generation because we remember those very um, DOS-based mm-hmm. computer games. But then as more advanced technology came out, we all adapted to it very seamlessly, which is, I think, the real definition of this micro-generation because a lot of the millennials had much more advanced technology in their school years. They always remember computers being in their homes. And they did some transition, but like social media, for instance, for millennials, most of them joined, for instance, Facebook. Mm -hmm. So when we were in college, we were the first ones to be on Facebook because at that time, Facebook was created and was only for college kids. Yep. You had to have a college email to even be able and to log in. And it was a in. slow roll, too. <laughs> I would have friends that I'd be like, I'm on Facebook. Do you have it yet? They'd be like, no. Yeah, you'd email your friends or ICQ or yes. um, aim chat your friends. Hey, join Facebook. It's this new way to, you know, connect. Yeah, so that's exactly what Ann and Randy were talking about, especially with our, you know, little tiny gener- micro generation is that, we definitely had this analogs into digital upbringing, and we're probably the last decade before huge technological advances were constantly coming. There wasn't a new iPhone every other year right. when we were growing up, and that the internet didn't seep into our life every single minute. It was just a nice add-on. Hey, mom, can I go play on AOL? Sure, only 30 minutes. And nowadays, you can throw an iPad at a kid to keep them quiet at a restaurant. And by the way, thank you for doing that. I don't want to hear your kids screaming at a restaurant. Yes, I don't you. care. But we were able to go to dinner with our parents and just zip it and eat your dinner. And you remember, too, we weren't concerned that there was no FOMO. There was no there FOMO. There was no, if I don't have my cell phone with me, that I will miss a text. I will miss the Facebook post. I will miss, you know, whatever tweet. It's just, you just didn't think about it. And yeah. you disconnected. And, um... Uh, yeah, that we, you know, lived our lives. Like they said, we went outside and played and didn't worry about the electronics at home. And in fact, getting online back then was kind of a pain in the ass because it was dial-up internet. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you only had so many minutes a month that you could use. On AOL, yeah. And AOL or whatever it was. So even using the internet was kind of like, okay, but you didn't, it just didn't rule your life the way it does now. Yeah, I listened to a YouTube video, but I'm pretty sure it's an NPR podcast called Intelligent Squared, Intelligence Squared Debate, where they have a whole topic and then two people come out and debate the pro and the, the for and against. And so this was from 2014. So the whole concept of like Xennial had not entered our world yet, but the whole concept was millennials don't stand a chance. Are you for or are you against? And that was so fascinating cool. to listen to because two of 
the Gen Xers, if you will, who were pro-millennials don't stand a chance, um, are professors. And one woman was like, I mentor millennials all of the time. And there's just this entitlement and, you know, they live in their parents' basement. They don't have great education. By the way, they don't have great education because my generation and baby boomers stopped putting money into education. It's not a millennial's fault. They just don't stand a chance. And it actually got me thinking about how lately I have been doing a lot of one-off meet and greets, mild mentoring with people in our company who are coming up right out of college. And I agree to do a meet and greet with them. And they sit there and they look at me. And I'm like, hi, I, I didn't ask for this meet and greet. You did. And trying to pull it out of them and they don't have that skill set. And as a Zennial, that was drilled into me by my father. So we may be 12 plus years apart and almost grouped into that millennial world. But thankfully, I have this like Zennial concept to lean back on and be like, oh, no, no, no. I came out of school ready to work and network and I was prepared. Absolutely. I do think also that millennials sometimes get a bad rap. So I listened to a, a podcast today called the Happy Zen Podcast, and it's called it's spelled X E N. Mm-hmm. So it's two hosts, Adam and Matt, who are full on Zennials. Yep. And they have episode. Their episode seven is titled "Millennial Dysfunction," where they kind of dive dive deep into a lot of those experiences yeah. and a lot of the stereotypes about millennials. Unfortunately, a lot of times those stereotypes are true, but maybe also. Baby boomers, Gen Xers, and maybe even Zennials just don't really connect to how millennials think as well. Uh-huh. So one of the hosts was bringing out up the fact that, first of all, as humans, we have a need to classify people that we don't understand. Absolutely. And so for a millennial, they having been brought up in the digital age, with they're given a task, their brain is wired to first of all go to Google and find out the easiest, fastest, most efficient way to do the task. Whereas a lot of baby boomers especially, but also Gen Xers, who are these people's bosses, Mm -hmm. still believe in like the long hand work. Yep. And the long process the process that they have followed their entire working lives. And when if a millennial questions them, well why do we do it that way? Why do we take so many steps? Many times the answer is because that's how it's always been done. Don't question me, kid. Yep. But a millennial is more wired to take on more tasks at once um, and use technology as an efficiency so they will get something done faster and feel proud of themselves. They're ready for the next task, but they're judged by the older generations. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's something we just don't understand that they think differently. Yeah. And in fact, they could take on more and more tasks if, you know, but we still... Not we, but older generations may still label them as lazy when they think that they're being efficient. And then, you know, there's that whole argument, too, of like, okay, but can a millennial fix a sink? Show me a millennial that knows how to do plumbing in their house or build a treehouse. You know, a lot of labor skills are definitely getting lost in these technical generations. But I guess it remains to be seen how pro versus con that's gonna yeah. work out. I mean I think a millennial would be like, oh that's fine. I don't need to know how to fix a sink, but I know how to Google the best plumber in town. <laughs> oh he's got five stars. I'm totally gonna hire him. Oh you know what? His website sucks. I'm good at it. I'll barter with him. I'll do your website. You fix my sink. And there is more of that. And in fact, that's one of the professors was saying on this intelligence squared debate is that he did feel like 
there was a laziness in regards to millennials because there's also this, uh, why bother kind of thing? Because he was saying, you know, I wanted to hire like a financial advisor out of college. It would have been a good pay. I was like, and the kid was good, but I was able to outsource it from India, get seven people, same college degree, better accreditations. I can pay them in India less than I was going to pay him. And that is unfortunately the global world that we live in that so often people forget wasn't what business was in the 80s and 90s. And they even mentioned how in the 80s, people were thinking that they everyone needed to start learning Japanese because they thought the Japanese were going to take over in a business sense. Yeah. So people were working hard and trying to keep things in America. Well, now we really do so much global work. And some of these kids are like, I just worked so hard. <sighs> okay. Can I have – and then things are like $8 an hour for some part-time or entry-level jobs. And they're like, I didn't – I have student loan. Well, sure. And if you if you think about it, again, you know, to kind of throw a bone to the millennials, they've been taught in their college years by baby boomers and Gen X, and, you know, they're learning on their own to adapt, but not actually were prepared by their parents and professors and adult mentors yeah. to take on that new world. Yeah. And I think about how you say, millennials want to question why, and everyone else is like, because that's how we always have done it. And I understand that when I was starting out in the workforce, my mom was like, you need to have a skirt suit when you go into interviews because you might have an interview with somebody in their 60s who back when they were working, women wore skirts and hose and heels and suits and you just don't want to do anything to pull you out of the pile and out of the running. So just know that it does, it's the worst, but just do it to get into the door, then let everything else shine through. And I see that's what hap- what's happening with these kids is like, um, I really want to be in social media. I like Instagramming. <laughs> okay, great. Well, the person I just spoke to before you has 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, 20,000 followers on Instagram, doubles everything, you know, works really hard. I'm glad you really like it. And that somebody told you were special and you could do it. But what did you do to earn it? Yeah, you know, that's, that is one of the they, they are saying one of the big differences between Xennials and Millennials as well is that a lot of us Xennials have late baby boomer and early Gen X parents who are a lot more hands-off and mm-hmm. a lot more willing to let their children go fail in the world, whereas a lot of the later Millennials are born by mid-Gen Xers who became the helicopter parents. And we got into the participation trophy conversation, which has been a fight, you know, um, a disagreement, I would say, for several years now that I've heard among friends of mine that are parents. Um, You know, most Gen Xers remember themselves as children as not getting a participation trophy, but for whatever reason, they've morphed Uh a lot of them into these helicopter parents that are so interested in coddling their young children and um, absorbing any sort of pain or discomfort for any children and then those kids grew up and now they're millennials and that's why they say so many of them are entitled but myself as an older millennial and now I understand I'm a zennial yeah I mean get a participation trophy I didn't play a lot of sports (laughs) I got no trophies frankly but I did play sports and I didn't get trophies because I didn't win yeah well what this professor went on to say that there is a deep sense of narcissism in millennials that zennials don't have because it was a concept started in like the late 80s early 90s like a PSA out of California or something that like you know 
Kids are special. Tell your child that they're special. Everybody is special. What You're unique. You're you. And then all these kids are like, I'm special. I can do whatever I want when I grow up. And I remember being like, Mom, I'm going to be, you know, a singer. And she's like, oh. <laughs> Have you taken a business class? <laughs> Singing is not your strong suit. Jeez. <laughs> or she called me live scenery because I was that kid in a musical that had like five roles, which is fine. She didn't cultivate a dream that she knew I was going to fail at because there is somebody else out there who truly did have talent to go and get it. And she was like, you just haven't found yours yet. Yeah, you're a special baby, but not like that. <laughs> and so the guy went on to say that even if you think about an 80s baby, like early 80s babies like us, Amy's, Jennifer, Kristen's, we know how many Kristen's, Lauren's, Lauren's, I mean, Elizabeth, there are all of these names that are so very 80s, whereas now kids are a compass direction, a fruit, all of these things that makes them even more unique and special and almost creates this extra level of narcissism. Like, oh, you're just a Jenny. I'm cantaloupe. Like, and so he was saying that that kind <laughs> of comes a part of like names. Uh-huh. And how it, no, yeah. It comes to create even more narcissism the way that we're telling kids that they're so overly special. Right. So, so you're saying that that's, that okay, I get, I get it. So like, like everybody is a snowflake, and it comes all the way down to what's on your birth certificate. It can, yeah, because like and it's, it's a helicopter parenting for sure. So I mean, I was in a class with three Jennies. Jenny wasn't special. Jenny one, Jenny two, Jenny three. Do you know what I mean? But somebody named like River in a class is uniquely different, sure, and special, and it creates this narcissism for River. Like I'm, I'm better than you. Like I'm River. You're just a Jenny. <laughs> and so from his professor perspective, he was saying it really aids into that narcissism that we assign to millennials. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely, I completely understand all these stereotypes and I hope that the millennials, when they really do come of age and really take on the workforce to the point where they're the bosses, that we'll start to see the strengths in those things and, and see the cream rise to the top and see what the best of the millennial generation you know, comes to pass. Yeah. Um, one of the great arguments that they had during this debate by an elder millennial and then a true millennial was stats of that millennials volunteer more than any other generation. They are more charitable. They um, saw the great, like the recession and they are working hard. They are doing startups. They are entrepreneurs. Yes. Maybe they have, you know, 20,000 followers on YouTube and you think they're lazy, but they have more money than you. I just watched a YouTuber I was telling you the other day in his Rolls Royce, and he does makeup reviews. I died on the inside. Uh-huh. But then they also want to assign other negative things to millennials, like more millennials and zennials are leaving the church more than ever. But it's because they grew up and thought equality for all, my church doesn't support gays and lesbians. I gotta go. That's another thing that I heard, too, is that they're one of the most empathetic yes. generations that we've seen um, because they grew up where a lot of social things like uh, homosexuality and, you know, a lot of them may have friends with homosexual parents and their empathy is different. You know, right, thankfully, I think we're starting to breed racism out for, mm-hmm. in, for the most part um, in our younger generations. And so, you know, I, yeah, hopefully those are all of the pluses of the millennials. Yeah. But then, so going back to, you know, the zennial concept, like we're stuck in the middle. Yeah. So us as zennials, we still have a little bit of that cynicism that the Gen Xers are yeah. known so well for. So 
Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. The TV show Friends is the perfect kind of encapsulation of what a Gen Xer uh-huh. was. You know, they first of all they're they're very social and but you know, but they they all work hard, but there's this kind of cynicism that they're yeah. never going to get ahead. And the man, I was going to say, I feel like in the nineties, like damn the man, really exactly. became so hype with like Empire Records and right. all of these crazy Gen X movies. And grunge rock really came yes. into play because they were all kind of angry. You yeah, know, they had come out of that eighties. Or they watched that '80s like boom and, uh-huh. and recession, like the Reagan years and all of that. It was those were their formative yep. teen years, whereas we were little. Yeah. So um, I was reading a really interesting article today from Forbes about how like you guys know how to market to Gen X and you know how to market to millennials, but you are missing a huge amount of money in not paying attention to how to market to Zennials mm-hmm. because at this point in Zennials' lives. We have careers, yeah, and we have money. So, for instance, like, we, so they were, you know, this is Forbes article was trying to tell marketers here's how to yeah. get Zennials into your products. They said we're nostalgic for the analog analog days, and we love anything that reminds them of less technology advanced childhoods. So, like, we respond really well to messaging of. Um, unplugging. Yeah. So like medical spas and oil companies, a lot of like kind of new agey health stuff could really do well marketing to Zennials because we're nostalgic for that relaxation unplug moment. And we also have the money to afford to do it where a lot of the millennials don't, and they also don't value unplugging. I will always tell you how badly I want to go to like a spa in Sedona and just drink green juice all day and yoga a little bit of vodka in my green juice yeah, if yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got to play, too. <laughs> That's what I mean. I want to unplug, but I want to have fun when I'm unplugging. Exactly. There was another great one in here. Um, so, oh, yeah, new health and wellness. Um, I love this. Like any middle... This is from the Forbes article. From Like any middle child, Xennials are the misunderstood generation between their younger and older siblings, the Millennials and the Gen Xers. And as such, they don't appreciate being stereotyped, meaning the rash of negative media opinions on the various generations is off-putting. So even though we were indulging into kind of those stereotypes yeah. of the Millennials, I do also feel like I need to protect them. And I don't... I think I did start to, yeah. you know, I'll just be honest about who I am. I did indulge in hating on millennials because I was refusing to believe I was one. Uh-huh. And now that I understand that I belong to this micro generation, this zenial time period, I feel so much less anxiety about, you know, feeling like I have to belong to a millennial thing that I don't understand and don't, you know, felt like an ouster of. And I did not like being called an aging millennial wow. or an elder. I feel like you liked that as much as you liked hearing the term basic bitch when that originally came out years ago. You lost your mind. I was so pissed about a new stereotype for women. Uh-huh. But now I love calling myself a basic bitch. But I think about the fact that, you know, people want to come for millennials like an avocado toast. Have you had it? It's a healthy fat. It's super yummy and keeps me full for hours. Fuck you. Now that, and that is definitely one of those things that it's fully millennial, but I'm like, yeah, but I can get into that. Yeah, That's why absolutely. I'm still in this cusp and can be comfortable with some millennial stuff. You know, I was super resistant to Snapchat when it came uh-huh. out because I heard it was a sexting app. It yeah. was a way to send nudie pictures and someone couldn't keep them. And then... And then it was like, oh, no, 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 Snapchat is more than that. It's cool. It's fun. Look at filters. And so I dabbled and so went, no, not for me. But I know you super grabbed on. I did, but I still grabbed not on. Not the nudie part. Not the nudie part. I super grabbed on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, first of all, once the pretty filter entered my life, I was like, things are about to change. However, I still was really late to Snapchat. And in fact, that makes me think about a podcast called How to Be Less Old, which is really geared towards zenial women. So 30 to 35. Right. Um, I am very sad to say that their last <laughs> episode was in May. But I've got a backlog oh, of stuff oh that I can listen to. Good. It's on Stitcher or Stitcher Premium. Mm-hmm. And so basically they talk about like, we want to be hip. But like, what's Salt Bay? Is that a place on Long Island? Is it near the Hamptons? I don't know. But I think I probably should know what it is. And so like, I was listening to um episode called Wig with Danielle Schneider. I love Danielle Schneider. From Bitch Sash. We absolutely love, love her. And they talk about, like, this is such a weird age range to be in. Like, we learned T9 text and could get on with that kind of stuff. But when somebody says wig, like, what the fuck does that mean? Oh, no. Does it mean a thing I don't know yet? Wig? No. I guess so from what I learned is, <laughs> like, if people yell at each other, like, girl, wig. That is a wig. No. Oh, you're using your just pointing out someone's wig. It means something so amazing happened that, like, you're bald from it. And I don't know why that's a reference. <sighs> Too old for that shit. Too old for that shit. So that's what I mean. Like, when Snapchat came out, we were like, oh, is that chat that's snappy? Like, <laughs> I knew immediately that I was to send nudies. Because I heard millennials, I was a manager at oh. the time, and I heard millennials in my break rooms telling each other about it. And so I thought, oh, that's too young for me. I'll never get involved. Oh, yeah. The four old guys I worked with <laughs> during that time were not keeping me up to date. But I just thought, like, this is so great. So other episodes they had were like, what the fuck is dry brushing? Should we be doing dry brushing? Like, things that are coming out for people in their 20s just coming out of the workforce that are starting to do what's considered millennial-esque kind of things. Those of us as Zennials are like, hey, you know, I want, what are you doing over on the other side of the fence? Because I'm not that much older than you, and I'm not, like, 40 and dead. So what, what are we doing? I might be kind of interested, but I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I want to know that I'm not going to look ridiculous doing it yep. because I'm too old. But I also, I, I don't I know. Mean, maybe I'm interested in that. Yeah. And so, like, that just made me think, like, that's exactly how I feel. I want to be less old. I don't want to be, you know, like, friends of mine that are fully... <sighs> Age 40, that's probably like right on the cusp of Gen X and Millennial. Mm-hmm. Probably more Gen Xers who have never been on Facebook or Instagram and have literally no desire to. And I have so many questions. Like, why? Well, that's the thing. You know, Gen Xers, unless they were willing to adapt as adults, they wouldn't be on social media. Like I was mentioning earlier, they couldn't. When yeah. Facebook started, let's even forget MySpace. Um, but when Facebook started, it was. You know, you and I, I remember being a sophomore, junior. Same. So it was folks very close to us. Definitely everybody yeah. in that zenial micro generation. And it was only, like I said, college kids. And then after we got out of college, they let us, you know, they, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg, yeah. let us keep our accounts. And it kind of forced Mark and his company to realize the people with accounts are going to get older. I and mean, if you've seen the social yeah. network, you saw the evolution. Yes. And then eventually they opened it to high schools and then eventually to anybody. But it was exclusive at first. And then, so Nogenics could do it. And then once they could, they had to choose. And that's what's so interesting, I think, in about the Zenial thing yeah. is that we adapted. I brought this up to you last night. You know, as kids, 
we were constantly rebuying our own media because when uh, I first bought my very, well, first of all, my parents listened to records when they were teenagers, right? And they kept listening to records up until I was listening to their records. Mm -hmm. They may have bought a few Betamaxes and a few cassettes later on for any sort of new music they Uh were interested in. But primarily in my household growing up, there was the record player and the records. But when I started purchasing music or having music purchased for me, um, it was on cassette tapes. Uh-huh. And then CDs came out yep. and you had to, you know, anything that you really loved, you had to rebuy on a yep. CD and or re-record onto a CD. And then we got into college and we had Napster, LimeWire, Kazaa, mm-hmm. uh, all of the download stuff. And if you wanted to have your music go anywhere, you downloaded yep. it all. And nowadays, I don't know when the last time I bought a physical CD was, I buy all of my music yeah. digitally. Same thing with with movies. Yes. First of all, our parents did not have movies at home. Nope. The VCR was not invented until we were, I think, right before we were born. Mm-hmm. And so then it was, every if you want to own a movie, you own a, a VHS, VHS cassette tape. And then DVDs came out. And then they did shit where they gave us the Blu-ray. Oh, and before then, that was LaserDisc. I was going to say LaserDisc and then Blu-ray. And then they fought <laughs> who was going to win. But we were all buying all of our favorite movies Three over or four over times, and, over and, over again. and now I have I have like Clue is my favorite movie. Yep, I have a VHS, uh-huh. I have a DVD, and I sure as shit have it on Amazon. I've bought that thing three fucking times over yes. the year. I'm the same way with my favorites. Exactly, because as millennials, we adapted and grew with the technology, whereas the generation before us and the generation after, it's pretty much I don't know what they're going to invent next after digital. But the millennials have been buying digital products for probably most of their lives. They were probably buying CDs and DVDs very young, or their parents were buying it for them. But they've been buying digital most of their lives. And the Gen Xers and the baby boomers were buying one or two types of media their entire lives. We had to adapt through five or six in all different mediums. And then to go back to the whole concept of nostalgia... Do you still have the VHS and DVD of Clue? Absolutely. I fucking Didn't get do. rid of it. And why? I, what it's, are you right, it's feet from us I, and our media and what are you going to do with that VHS? Look at it? You know Dust what? it? You know what <laughs> none of us Xennials are going to get rid of is our Disney VHSs oh, in the, the clamshell sh- clam yes. cases. It's just... I mean, I think we all think one day we're going to sell them on eBay, but look, they're all so threadbare by now. And when all 60,000 of us go and do it, it's really going to saturate the market. Right. And who has a VCR anymore? Who would want that? There's very few Disney files out there. Well, I'm sorry. There's a lot of Disney files. But you know what I mean? Like, that is what is so particular to this Uh Zenial thing is that we learned and adapted where on either side of us... There's Gen Xers decided, made a choice to yep. adapt to social media, or they just don't. Yeah. And the millennials just always have. There's no other way. Yeah, it's so interesting always talking to both generations, especially if you talk about the middle child syndrome. Friends that I have that are Gen Xers are like, you have a podcast and a blog like and Instagram. Like, I don't even know how to listen to that. Like, I, don't I don't care. care. Like, it's so weird. And then you talk to a true millennial, and they're like, oh, you don't even have like... 10,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> I know, like, it's embarrassing. Like, go fuck yourself. What I is wrong where they you? generate these followers? Because, you know, we talk yeah. a lot about college program people that come into our company and they have thousands and thousands of followers. They're just going around the parks and snapping uh-huh. pictures. Yeah. But they have thousands of followers. I don't know. Are they buying them? Are they bots? What's going on? Do they even care? Because I care. I don't want bots following us on our social media. I want true blue people who are listening and interacting. Well, I also think about how the fact that, like, our Zennial and Up really 
appreciate experiences. Yeah. And millennials and kids younger than that. And I think you were saying earlier to me that it's called the I generation, the next generation after millennials due to this deeply ingrained digital life where kids will watch for hours, other kids playing with toys or people will watch other people play in the parks at Disney. And I'll see these, you know, vloggers and then they'll say things like on their Instagram, like, ah, experiences are just so great. Like I just really suggest you get out there and really live life. It's like, you don't want me to do that. You want me to watch your video and never do it myself. You're going to lose a follower. And I can't understand that. I can't, I cannot to me as a Zenial, yeah, cannot fathom spending time in my day watching somebody else have fun when yeah. I could go have fun. If I was watching you play like where in the world is Carmen San Diego or Oregon Trail as a kid, I would be screaming my head off because you wouldn't do how I would want to play the game. It would kill my anxiety. So how are these kids, like, watching somebody play a video game and be like, go left, left, fuck, you went right. Like, well, yeah, well, do you remember as a kid playing Super Nintendo or Nintendo? Course. And let's say there's three or four kids hanging out. There's only two controllers. The third one is, like, freaking out in the back of the room. Well, that, well, maybe for some kids, I know I was the kind of kid that could not care or could not connect to the game unless it was my turn to play. Yeah. You know, I wanted to experience. Yes. Me watching you experience meant nothing to me. I was interested in watching to see who the winner was because I had probably called out, I got winner. Yep. You oh, know, yeah. I want to play. Yes. I want to experience. Yes. I feel that that's so very much our generation. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to play. I want to experience. Like, let me live, too. Let me live. Let me eat my avocado toast. <laughs> Don't come for me. Also, whenever there's, like, a new version of Instagram, could you also tweet that at me and let me know? Yeah, like, maybe I, I want to. Maybe, maybe I want to. I'll just, like, give it a go. I just want to have, make sure I have the same sign-in. Well, I really do think that I'm so glad that I, we have found this term, Zenials. Yes. And I think that we need to keep promoting it. You know, just like Forbes said, you've got to market to people yeah. our age. Um, and, and all kinds of us, too. Not just Zenials with families. Yes. Single Zenials. Diverse Zenials. Yes. Uh, Zenials from other nations. Really, um, I hope that this catches on and continues. And when I was listening to um, the Happy Zen podcast, they were suggesting that as time goes on, more and more micro generations will probably pop yeah. up. Because if you think now, you know, we said a millennial is technically from 81 or 82 to 98 to 2000. Yeah. Those 20 it's years, too it's, too it's too big. And so for Generation Z or the I generation, whatever their nickname is going to yeah. be, if they came in in 2000 and they're it's they're still being born now. I mean, kids born in 2000 are going to be very different than kids born in 2018. And yeah, we there's you know, they haven't capped that new generation yeah. yet. So these micro generations are going to continue to pop up because of how quickly technology is advancing and people's lives are advancing and changing. Yeah, and I think like you said earlier, we're not being marketed to. We're not being portrayed on television and in movies all of this stuff, this is our call. Hey, we're a generation that wants to be heard and we want to see ourselves. So hopefully the universe is listening and we'll start to get more and feel like we're being represented accurately. Yeah, and look, if you have a podcast or if you're interested in starting a podcast, yeah. may I suggest focusing on zenial yeah. issues, zenial news and information, and truly – in our age group, there are many people in our age group that yeah. have podcasts that are putting out media, that are writing films sure. and television shows and, and music and all of those things that we're consuming. But I want, I hope, I'm hopeful that we continue to recognize 
what this micro generation is and those of us that the analog to digital folks in life Especially and that, I think we're the first micro generation ever exactly I, that's I would, what's so weird about I it. think that we are and I, I just hope that we continue to recognize it and and to talk about it and hopefully for those of you that from outside of our micro generation that are listening to us now you find it kind of fascinating and start to see yeah. some differences and like you said we're the middle child and sometimes we just don't get enough love and basically we just want mommy and daddy to tell us that they love <laughs> us and that we're their favorite. Do you have anything else? No. Because I was thinking it might be kind of fun. We opened up with the, you know, you might be an aging millennial if list. Yeah. I have a list here of 11 ways to find out if you are a zenial. Yes. And this is from an article on a website that I cut Would off. you say it was on the internet? Oh, it's Bustle. Oh, this Bustle. Is a Bustle, Bustle article. article. Bustle.com. And so if you're listening and after all of this explanation, you're still not quite sure if you you're may be a zenial. If you're on the fence, listen to these 11 things. And if you check off, I would say... More than half of them. Yeah. Welcome to the micro generation. Are you ready? Yep. Number one, you didn't get your first mobile phone until your late teens or 20s and it was a brick. Correct. Mm -hmm. You used a dial-up modem for school or university work. Yes. Yes. You watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, My So-Called Life, and Friends on TV. Live. Live. Yes. <laughs> All of those. Not a big French... Fresh Prince fan, I'll just be honest. Oh, not a big My So-Called Life fan. You know, I, I really liked Claire Danes, but as the show in general. Mer uh, more to Daria, if I could be. I love Moody, Daria. Angsty high schooler, yeah. Well, say, talking about world. angsty, your seminal movies were Heathers, The Goonies, Jurassic Park, Clueless, Empire Records, and Dazed and Confused. All of them, but The Goonies. Fun fact, I hate that movie. That's fine, but, but they are still seminal movies. 100%. Later, right? Oh right. my god, Empire Records is my life. All right, let's keep going. You love Nirvana, but were too young to ever see them live or really get what they were saying. Totally. You had a strong allegiance to either Oasis or Blur in the Britpop era. Of course. Oasis. Oasis. All day. You downloaded music on Napster. Illegally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you had a MySpace, ICQ, or MSN Messenger account. Check. Yes. Uh, all three. Oh. I'll take the hat on that. <laughs> um, you made mixtapes on cassettes, and you owned a Walkman. Fuck yes. I never had enough AA batteries for the Walkman. 100%. But I had it. Um, you had or still have a Hotmail account. No, I never had a Hotmail I totally account. did. I had an AOL account. Um, you can remember when you first heard about Google and Facebook, but there was always internet, but it just really was an encyclopedia. Yeah. And you listen to Blink-182, Incubus, The Offspring, and Spice Girls. Baby Spice for life. So if you don't know by now if you're a Xennial, you've got to know. You I know. think you know. So, hey, look, write to us. We would love to get an email from you if you have more thoughts about Xennials. Yeah. Um, podcastrwd at gmail.com. Also, hit us up, once again, Facebook and uh, you can find us on Podcast Rewind or Instagram and Twitter at Podcast RWD. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Well, Amy, I would love to hear. Did you listen to any other podcast this week before we go? Some fun little light yeah, pop-ups for the some, crew? Let's do some pop-ups. Hey, look, I've got one that's not light, but why don't you go first? 
Well, I will say um, <clears throat> one and a half podcasts, if you will. Um, I keep talking about Danny Pellegrino, um, who I also believe is another zenial and just loves the same things as us and did a pop dive this week, a two-parter with Ooh. one of our other favorite podcasters, Annabelle DeSisto from uh-huh. Adderall and Compliment. Yes, we love her. And this was a two-part deep dive on Miss Tyra Banks. And not just America's Next Top Model, but her TV show, like when she had her talk show. Yes, Tyra. bringing everything. And what is the piece de resistance to this two-parter is the fact that he has live clips. You hear the whole, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Classic. Classic line. When she was on the Tyra Banks show and faked, for some reason, being bit by a dog and having rabies... And foamed at the mouth and, like, started barking at people in the crowd, only to go, it's the Tyra Prank Show! No, she did not. She did. She's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's like, where would our lives be without her? Oh, I mean, didn't I, do I remember a prank where she put on a fat suit yes. and went out in the world? Did not a that? prank, but, like, wanted to see what it was like okay. and how she felt like nobody would sit next to her on the subway and people stared and they were like, yeah, because you were Tyra Banks in a bad fat suit with cameras following you. <laughs> <laughs> Not because you were fat. <laughs> Get it together, Tyra. I mean, it's just so good. It's all of the classic things that you remembered but you totally forgot about and how she really did invent so many things for us. Like, my favorite, she would do poses on the show like, ho, but make it fashion. <laughs> That's another classic line. Or, oh, but make it smize. Fashion. Everybody smizes. You know what a smize is. I went through years of my life smizing in, by the way, <laughs> digital camera photos. Because of the zenial I am, I didn't always have a camera on my phone. Yes. But I smized for way too long. Oh, my God. Yeah. I did see a meme the other day that was like, if you took one of these digital cameras to parties in high school, it's time for a night cream. <laughs> <laughs> like, you old, you need a face yeah. cream. Um, but anyway, if you're a Tyra fan, uh, America's Next Top Model fan, you must listen to the two like, two-parter, so funny. But then, most importantly, a huge thing happened in the reality TV world in this last week. Yes. The season finale of Bachelor in Paradise went down. Doozy. Our hometown boy, Jordan, proposed to alien from another planet, Jenna. And after that, and after the final rose, it came out, our girl. Not my girl. No, no, no. No, She is not my girl. (laughs) She is not. This hoe, <laughs> this hoe <laughs> over <laughs> there, thought was cheating on Jordan the whole time. Whole time. So, major drama in that whole world, but reality Steve, nobody loves reality Steve more than reality Steve. Absolutely not. Um, on episode 95, was able to get on the horn with Jordan pretty quickly after the whole thing went down and to get his thoughts and Jordan for president. He's just a sweet little. In the words of the Morning Toast, we must project, protect Jordan at all costs. <laughs> we must protect him. I just need him to come back. I need him to come back to BIP next year. Yeah. Like with, you know, or or just we could do two Bachelors next year and fuck off Bachelorette. Let Colton do his thing. And then I need to see Jordan's broken heart get mended with all of the other model girls that they can find. That sounds great. I love but him. I need Jordan to come back and almost be like a mentor for the 25 women and just say things <laughs> like, oh... You thought strappy shoes were good with that? Huh. And just like his commentary, his biting commentary and saying things to them like, you're a trash bag. 
I am a Louis Vuitton duffel bag. <laughs> like things like that. I just think he brings such a fresh breath of air. And he's fucking hilarious. He's so hilarious. But anyway, definitely check it out. Give him some love. Go like a photo of his on Instagram. Let him know you love him. Okay, I have to bring up and share with the audience, if you haven't heard yet, yeah. about this new podcast episodic show called Dr. Death. Yeah. Definitely true crime. Um, and look, if you are listening to any true crime podcast already, you probably know about this because almost everything that I subscribe to true crime-wise has put out like the three-minute commercial uh-huh. for Dr. Death. It's a wondery podcast. It's six parts Um, Part five was just released this morning, so I am awaiting next week when part six, the finale, drops. But it is a horrific, fascinating, mind-bending tale of a a man named Dr. Christopher Dench, who between 2011 and 2013-14 killed or maimed over about 33 patients in the Dallas Plano area of Texas. And he, he got a true medical degree from, from a a university of Texas and, or I'm sorry, in Tennessee. And then I think he went on to study in Texas. Um, I've been listening to it all week, so it's kind of swimming a little bit, but the story is really about how he grew up, um, the story of a lot of his patients and these two doctors, Dr. Kirby and Dr. Henderson in the Baylor Hospital and then later in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Hospital that really stood up and took him down and made him stop. And really, this exposes how in the hell did this guy become a doctor in the first place? What were his motivations? You know, because it's still unclear to me, and I hope I find out in the finale if, you know, the question is, is he a cold-blooded murderer or just massively incompetent and arrogant? Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I will say you have to have a, a strong stomach to yeah. listen to this. And I typically don't. Surgery and gory stuff really sets me off. But um, I find this story so compelling that I've been able to push through. So, you know, true crime is your thing. These episodes are very well produced. Um, and you can find them on any platform uh, they're about 35 to 40 minutes long, uh-huh. so it's paddleable, a drive to work, you know, a lunch break. You can push through these. Um, if you're cool. If you're cool with it. If you're cool lunch. with it. Look, I am like, I can't stop thinking about it. I really, I started listening to it on Sunday, and I have been, wow, wow. I'm like completely obsessed. I was almost my obsession of the week, but I wanted to save it for yeah. my pop-up tonight. So, um, Dr. Death, I highly recommend. I almost, I'm not going into details because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Because it's so fucking fascinating. Yeah. But you've got to look it up. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, maybe we can wrap it up and toss it off to episode 43 next week. We can't wait. We'll come back at with you with another hopefully fun, cool topic to talk and some pop-ups and some drinks for sure. Yes. So if you are listening to us on your favorite platform, do us a favor as always. A little five stars and a subscribe wouldn't hurt anybody. It would definitely not hurt. <laughs> we need you. We need you. We need your subscriptions and your ratings. Yes. So guys, have a wonderful week. We will see you next week. But don't forget in the meantime to be kind and rewind. Bye guys. Bye.